This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Welcome to the Boxing Betting Show. My name is Tom Craze, and we're back this week for a slightly earlier um, podcast in the week than usual, a bit of a bank holiday special, celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee um, for those guys over in the States. We all know that the Queen probably wants to get her money down uh, on the fights as soon as she possibly can. Um, I'm joined this week by a fixture, really, a press row, um, any or most um, British fight nights, freelance boxing writer. Uh, you will know him from Boxing News and um, from The Independent and, of course, his appearance on the Boxing Betting Show last summer. Uh, Declan Taylor, how are you? Yes, I'm not too bad. I'm happy that I'm not in the middle of moving. And yet, I was, as we were t- talking off air, I think I'm pretty sure I moved into this flat, this new flat one year ago today, and it was in the middle of moving, but I didn't have Wi-Fi here. So I had to go to the old place, which was empty. And I was sat cross-legged on the floor doing that podcast a year ago. And actually, it just reminded me that that pod that we did was actually the betting was actually useless in the end because it went the distance, didn't it, that fight? Yeah, yeah. And so all the bets were like, were void if there was, if it went the distance or something. I can remember, I remember thinking I was going to make a fortune on it and in the end didn't win or lose a penny. It was annoying. It was that yeah, whole thing. Yeah, it was decision, irritated. Mayweather decision, no bet, which... Yeah, exactly. It's still probably, I know it's, it was a novelty fight, but you think about it, that's probably one of the best value bets there might ever yeah. be. Um, yeah. I remember it was, stab. it was just a free stab at a stoppage, wasn't it? A, a stoppage, yeah. But it's, I remember watching it. I just it's horrendous, wasn't it? But yeah. I think you you said something at the end of that um, interview last time that I had to cut out. You're like, I'm, Tom, I'm just going to remortgage and, and put on on Mayweather. I was like, <laughs> and that was just before the bit where I said, and please remember to gamble responsibly. So yeah, like, okay. I, <laughs> That, that didn't make it for It was funny because I literally would have just got, I would have just sold that flat. So I was probably thinking about it, to be fair. Yeah, you're a, a bit more disposable than yeah, exactly. sensible. Anyway. We've um, got, we've got, like you say, we've got proper fights this time. We, have, good we have got proper fights. And we've got, um, we've got four fights we're going to talk about this, um, this episode. And they're four fights on four different shows, which is kind of unusual. And it's kind of unusual because the fights we're going to talk about are the, well, that's not unusual that they're the main events. But really, if I'm being frankly honest, the there's barely an undercard between the four uh, shows combined, really. So I'm, I'm going to skip right over those. Um, we're going to start with Joe Cordina um, has a world title challenge um, in Cardiff, his home city or his home country, uh, against Kanishi Agawa, IBF world title at Super Featherweight. Now, Agawa is actually a fighter that is a world champion, but a lot of people might not know a lot about, and I might be being a little bit harsh with that. He is uh, number four at 130 um, with the TBRB, so behind uh, Valdez, Roger Gutierrez, uh, Rekimov, uh, and then obviously Agawa. Uh, Shaka Stevenson is the new lineal, so he's kind of above the one to four ranking there, but it is a big drop from Stevenson and Valdez mm-hmm. down, and probably a big drop now from Stevenson down to Valdez as well. Not a particularly strong division. Um, Agawa's a good fighter, but he's not kind of elite or anything. Beats Fazili for a vacant belt. You kind of need to keep an eye on vacant titleists or vacant belt winners generally, but he's a solid fighter. Beat Tevin Farmer, that was later overturned back in 2017 um, on the Lopez-Cambosis fight. Uh, Lopez-Cambosis card, rather. Uh, Cordina, we know a lot more about, and Deck, I'll get your thoughts on this in a second. He's 30 now, um, Joe Cordina. He's only got 14 fights. He's had no luck, really, though. A lot of injuries, a lot of inactivity. 
trained by Tony Sims, so we know he's in good hands there. And he's a really, really nice fighter to watch when he gets into his groove. Give me your thoughts on this matchup from a non-betting perspective first, um, Deck. Mm, I I kind of agree with what you say about Agawa, but I've always really liked him. Um, I like his style. I think he's fun to watch. He obviously just looks, he's big puncher and he's like, he's also, I think he's quite, he's cuter than you think, particularly if you watch a Fusilli fight where he got the couple of knockdowns and he sort of, he kind of, obviously Fusilli a good counter puncher and he's sort of looking to counter the counter puncher. So there's some nice little feints, obviously Fusilli a southpaw, so it's a slightly different sort of setup. Mm. But I've always been a big fan of Agawa and watching him. I like his style. I must admit, one reason I do like him, and I've had a soft spot for him, the drug stuff notwithstanding, but when he boxed Evan Farmer, I remember he was something like four to one. And Paul Wheeler, uh, ex-boxing news, mm-hmm. used to do a lot of previews and he had a big run of getting stuff right. He flagged the price in the boxing news preview and I thought, wow, that's a good price, four to one. Obviously, Tevin Farmer at the time was like 15 and two or something like that. And he flagged it at four to one. I thought, wow. So got had a big bet on a Gower back then. And then I remember that fight was on the same night as something else. I remember watching something late, flicking straight over. Agawa basically lost the fight as well, by the way, but he got the decision. So I was buzzing about that. It got overturned, but it still got paid out for it, whatever. So I've had a soft spot for Agawa, I must say. But I do think in the Fusilli fight, he was good. It showed that he's... Fusilli, obviously, a a stylish boxer as well, albeit a southpaw, different sort of setup to Cordina. I think it's a good fight. And I do think I was massively... I was high on Cordina when he first turned over I thought he'd be one of the best ones mm. and I still think he's a great talented fighter I just worry about a fight of this style an opponent of this style on such a big stage when you're 14 and 0 and without really any real seasoning and certainly no punches of any note on your record and you just wonder why that is and why he's been kept away maybe it's not by design but he hasn't had someone like Ogawa on top of him and looking for big right hands and wobbling him and 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 we haven't seen what Cordina does at that at that point. So when we're trying to work out what might happen in a fight, a 12-round world title fight when he might get buzzed at some point, it's all hypothetical about how is Cordina going to deal with that. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe he's that slick that it doesn't happen. And it's a proper boxing masterclass like Stevenson, Shakur Stevenson the other week against um uh, Oscar Valdez, that sort Valdez, of thing. Yeah. The, sort of, the sort of slightly more, the puncher in the fight gets outboxed soundly. That could happen in this fight. I'm not so sure. And that, for me, opens up a little bit of value on, on the betting side. You're talking about um, Agawa there. I was just having a look on um, pro boxing odds. The the price on Agawa against Farmer opened up, it looked like at 12 to 1. Um, I don't think that lasted very long. Uh, 5 oh. to 1, 6 to 1 was kind of the, the closing. Um, I remember it being a mad, like a, a yeah. mad price for a fight of that type. You're, you're kind of singing Agawa's praises. One fight I would have liked to have really seen him in um, was Jamel Herring. Obviously, yeah. I'm never going to see that now, but I think that would have been a really, really fun fight. Um, yeah. Like you say, Cordina is that it, it's completely different um, in terms of the style matchup. There, the thing with Cordina, he. He generally can't, I don't want to say he coasts his way through, but he's good enough to easily box guys that you sometimes think he's not in top gear. Um, he got pushed quite close by Korbanov, who's fighting um, Zelfa yeah. Barrett this weekend. So that's the last time I'm going to talk about any undercard this week. Um, but yeah, the, he is missing that step, isn't he? Cordina's fought, he beat Tonoko, um, stopped Jordan Gill as a decent yeah. win. He's beaten kind of Sean Dodd and, you know, 
Gavin Gwynn, Gavin and but uh, who's the other? Andy Townend, but guys at British level. Then he's kind of done, I don't say European really, but he's missing that kind of, in my opinion, um, a kind of a, a, a gnarled world title fringe level. But that I was looking at the, the rankings, there aren't really that many of yeah. them. I was thinking maybe it's Gower's basically it, isn't it? Yeah, uh, actually that. You're I was right. kind of thinking like a John O'Carroll type, but yeah, is he really that? I don't know if that would have been the. But there's not that many before you kind of going into, you know, Galahad or the, the kind of the the, the title ish type. But it's a really weak top ten, I think, at at one thirty. Yeah, With that said, then home advantage for Cordina um, against a good kind of but not great title holder. I know you've got a soft spot for him. He's never going to have a better chance than this, is he? No, it's true. And you're right about the division. Like, obviously, there were some good guys up at the top of it, but you're right. And this is a good, good chance. And he's got the home advantage and it's all on his side. And Agawa is not elite, elite fighter, although he is good. And I just, and I think style-wise, like I mentioned there, it could turn out to be a great night. And it could be that we're sat there and he's sort of, nine one up after 10 rounds you know that sort of situation like that's not out of the question I don't think but I do I do just think Agawa could have his moments and we don't know what Joe Cordino is going to do at that moment at those moments having said that he's very experienced as an amateur obviously been boxing all his life been all over the world boxed all sorts of styles it's not like this is new to him necessarily but I just feel like there's going to be moments in this fight and it's hard to predict, or at least it's intriguing as well. From a fan's point of view, it's intriguing to think, what is Joe Cordina going to do if it does get spicy? And we know that Agawa can punch and he's going to be pressuring him. Like he's going to be looking for big shots. And Agawa will also, by the way, look at Cordina and think, yes, please, I love this money. Yeah, yeah. This is not a problem for me. So it's not, and he won't be overawed by the occasion at all. Um also, let's not forget, Joe Cordina has not been built in a way that he's used to this either, being at home, having a big crowd behind him. Sometimes it can have an adverse effect. We'll talk about that a bit with Cambosis as well later, but it's not like guaranteed that that elevates him in any way. It might even make him nervous. It might make him tense. It might make him look for openings that he wouldn't necessarily with that style of his, which might then open him up in a way. So that, again, is another intriguing little factor. You only have to listen to... I know it's a slightly different situation and a bigger event, but Tony Bellew, when he talks about the fight against Maccabi at, at Goodison Park, it was just the most stressful thing ever. And I know yeah. that's because it's Goodison Park and stuff, but it does bring a totally different aspect. And it's very different to boxing on an undercard at the O2 and being able to just go through the gears and no one's really watching you. It might be a full arena, but you know, people are checking in and out. To it being you and everyone's there to see you, it's a different kettle of fish. Agawa comes over with no pressure in that sense yes he's the champion but I guess a lot of people in the arena won't really know much about him will be expecting their boy to win this world title on Saturday yeah, night yeah, yeah, and that yeah. brings with it a pressure so again another intangible that it's hard to predict and it makes the fight an intriguing one I think it's a brilliant fight by the way and I think it's been slightly overshadowed or at least underappreciated because it's a big weekend it's a great one Looking at the odds, then Cordina is the favourite. General four to seven. Um, so one is one seventy five, sixty four percent best price currently. Betfred uh, eight to thirteen, sixty two percent. So Gower slight underdog uh, seven to five, uh, eleven to eight around as well. So plus one forty, forty two percent. The bookies make his chance to draw at sixteen to one uh, or six percent. 
what's your take on that? Do you think Claudine's a little bit short? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do think so. I think I think it's. I don't know. It's a hard one because you sort of think all the everything I've said there about Agawa and stuff. But I still like if I'm putting money on it, or, or at least mm. if I had to put my life on it, I'd still probably back Cordina in this fight. But I'm just it's a, it's such a hard one to call, and I'm just looking for value there. I think maybe he is a little. I think he is a little bit short in this fight, but that I guess is kind of to be. Ex- expected given the context yeah I think if I was going to side with it I, I'd be more interested in the in the methods you've got Cordina yeah. um Cordina decision so 10 to 11 slight odds on um that is weird bet 365 52 percent he's only got eight KOs from 14 but he's not going to stop him is he two stoppages in the last three years um yeah Ogawa is bigger he's stronger he's not going to fall over I don't think and I don't think as you say with the occasion and with the nerves I think it is a prime example of something where Cordina is going to go in and box him pretty kind of cute and yeah. and, and play it not play it safe but be cautious about it as well because I think he's going to know how dangerous Agawa can be in there 15 to 2 Cordina okay with um, William Hill for the stoppage I'm happy to rule that out it sounds like you are as yeah. well uh, Agawa eleven to two for the decision and five to two, um, so plus two fifty twenty nine percent for the KO for Agawa. What would be your your take on that? Well, I just you know you, if you watch a Fuzili fight, I think it's like the fourth round or something when he puts him down hard and he obviously doesn't stop him and he does it again in the twelfth twice I think and he doesn't stop him. So he's a big puncher and he had Fuzili in all sorts of trouble, but he didn't get rid of him. So. Just based on that, and I know it's kind of a, it's quite a lazy like way to look at it, but you just sort of think, yeah. okay, is he going to, is he going to stop Cordina? And again, we don't know what Cordina is going to do in that sort of trouble, but I'm unsure. What I'm slightly interested in is Ogara, uh, um, Ogara decision, big based on uh, there could be a okay. moment maybe Cordina gets dropped at some point, maybe there it's kind of a level fight, five, six, seven rounds in. And Ogawa, with the experience of being in like long 12 rounders, world title fights, big puncher, not burning off this negative, this sort of energy all week because it's his home fight and whatever. Can he come on strong at the end? Then you've got to think, is he going to get a decision over there? You never know in this country, do you? Mm -hmm. And especially over there in Cardiff. But I mean, that price, when I was looking through it, the price was very attractive to me. But there's just a few, a few caveats there. Um, it's one of them, Cordina decision looks like, you know, if you put your life on it, but then if you're looking for a bit of value, we've seen it happen before. People come over here and do a number, a couple of knockdowns, it's hard to rob him. It's hard to rob him. But is Cordina a special ta- the special talent that we've always sort of thought he is? Or is this the moment where the lack of seasoning the lack of kind of momentum in big fights and that middle ground, like you say, is that going to kind of catch up with him? Well, I guess, I guess we'll see, but I feel like the, the values with Agawa clearly. Just to kind of bolster your argument for Agawa decision then 18 KOs in 26, which is obviously a, a pretty good knockout ratio, but he's won his last two by decision on three of his last four by decision. And so kind of at the top ish level or the, the best level he's got to, he, isn't stopping these guys, as you say, with Fazili, but he has yeah. got the power. I think 
if you're a Cordina backer, and I, I do think he's got probably a better than 52% chance of winning a decision here, you're kind of going for the best case that he doesn't get into any kind of trouble because that is where the, the wild card is. We don't know how that's going to look. I think if he stays on his feet, he wins. You which, think so, wouldn't you? It's, yeah. one, it's one of them, Cordina decision, Agawa stoppage, that sort of thing. But I just, I think you're right that the he doesn't, I don't know if he's going to stop someone as slick as Cordina as well. Um, also, he's very, Cordina very strong and very fit. Like, I just wonder whether it's going to be one of them on Sunday morning when we're going, where everyone's having a scream up and Cordina's won on points and he shouldn't have, or he's got, He's got massive wide cards, 117, 111 times three, and it was nowhere near that club, that mm. that wide. You know, one of them. I could see also see that happening. So then, if you're wanting to put money on it, the Cordina decision then starts to start to look not bad. What are we saying, just better than evens as well. Just inside evens, um, 10, inside 10 evens. to eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, every Sunday morning's a scream up on Twitter, isn't it? You yeah, exactly. I can, I can see that. I can see this being one of them. Um, I yeah. hope I'm wrong. Obviously, I hope I'm wrong. Although saying that, Cordina's a world champion at that point. So, you know, I am hope I'm wrong and I hope that it's one of those clear ones. I just, I don't know what it is, but I've been thinking a lot about this this week and I've just got this feeling about Agawa. I just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Um, I'll, I'm personally probably going to have a bet on him on points just for that value. And just because I can see that scenario where he has moments of success and Cordina is just struggling with that. Um, he, he won't have the power to turn the tide. I don't feel Cordina, that is. If he gets in trouble, if he gets behind, if he's chasing, I don't see him having the power to ch- turn the tide in a fight. Um, but, you know, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong from a from sort of British boxing perspective as a fan, but that's not where I'm going to gamble, I don't think. You're listening to The Boxing Betting Show. We'll move on to... Another really good fight. It's, I think, the fight I have least to say in terms of a betting standpoint. Uh, it's the Showtime card on Showtime main event, rather, uh, on Saturday. Stephen Fulton uh, versus Daniel Roman. Um, super bantamweight. Uh, Fulton is a unified champion, number one with TBRB versus number three, uh, 122. Um, number two, by the way, is um, Akhmedaliev, who I think might be the best of them all. Hard not to really like um, Fulton in the ring, 20 or no, only eight of them comes by KO, but he's a really, really, really good boxer, as, as you can probably uh, guess from all that he's achieved so far. Um, he's on a really nice run as well, beat uh, Angelo Leo um, and Brandon Figueroa last time out, both fairly clear, I thought. I thought the majority decision for Figueroa was, was pretty generous. Roman is a similar style to both in, in a way. He's kind of a, a bit more come forward. He's a bit scrappier. He's... He's always quite game. Um, ran Akhmedali are fairly close on the cards, but I felt he never really looked like winning. But he did okay. Um, he's also beaten um, Payano. He's also stopped Gavin McDonnell. Uh, and who else has he beaten? Um, TJ Dhani uh, is, I guess, is the other one. So he's a solid kind of contender. I don't see this personally as particularly... It's a good matchup, but it's one of those that I don't have much intrigue about because I think Fulton is really, really good. Fulton, uh, about two to nine, one to four-ish. Uh, Roman, uh, nine to two, five to one. Um, so about uh, seven to two as well. So about 18% implied. Deck, what do you make of this uh, matchup? I think, it's good. I think it's a good fight. And I do think that stood out. what stood out to me this week is that that nine to two, Roman out at nine to two, I think, is 
feels yeah. white. Feels yeah, I, I mean, white. I might have just been really harsh on that, by the way. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I, think, I, I felt this, it's not, I don't make it a 50 50 fight. I make Fulton a, a favorite, but I don't yeah. think it's a nine to two outside job like that. Like you said, Akmedaliev may be the best in the division. Yeah. Roman did, did do well against him. Okay, maybe didn't win. I'm sure some people thought he was a winner. I think it was a split decision in the end, that one, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. Um, I think Roman is a good, good fighter. And I think, yeah, I don't know. Again, it's one of them where nine to feel nine to two, Roman at nine to two feels too long, but I don't think he's winning the fight, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, right, where am I going to find some some value in this? I think I think this fight to go the distance is printing money. I, I think it's it's you only get something like three to one on, but I feel like this is a distance fight written all over it, um, for all those reasons. So that little price just tucking it in on a double or a treble might be worthwhile um i really don't see a stoppage in this fight again i wouldn't back roman but i do i do got, I, like i said i feel like he's not that wide an outsider i think it's a good competitive fight but i'm like you i'm quite high on fault and i think he's i think he's a very very good fighter and i don't feel like this is the fight in which he's going to slip up in no i mean the the odds if you take the Five to one on for Fulton. Um, it gives him an eighty-three percent chance. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit harsh. But I'm, yeah, he, I don't think he can outbox Fulton, and he's he's going to have to really out hustle him. I think to to have a chance. Um, like you say, the distance is looks pretty much nailed on. Um, Roman has 10, 10 Ks from twenty-nine wins. Fulton, as you said, only eight from twenty. Similar to you, I think if I was picking a bet here and this is the reason that I don't have a lot to say about this really um Fulton decision uh, two to one on so minus 200 I think yeah. it looks really 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 solid um yeah if you can get it and I haven't seen any odds for this um I think Fulton a unanimous decision I don't really like backing unanimous unanimous yeah. decisions because you always have a dodgy kind of judge thrown in but Fulton's decision looks very very solid to me for odds on backers or as you say someone looking for Double yeah. treble material. If you had to back Roman, you said the um, the nine to two outright, seven to one decision, nine to one KO. Would you have a, a lean of those two? I I think it's points. I mean, it, it's hard but, to yeah. it's hard to visualize either, isn't it? Because I don't, but you just don't know. I don't see Roman as this vicious, dangerous, like thunderous punch. No, gonna, he's not. No, no. air through Fulton. It's not going to happen. And then you think, okay, he's going to have to out-hustle him over 12 rounds and somehow win seven of them. And you think, okay, that's a tall order. And then you think, well, that ain't going to happen. And then you think, okay, Fulton decision is the, is the price. But yeah. you never know. You never know, do you? But you never know what might happen. There could be, so maybe he's injured. Maybe something like that. But all of that aside, and if everyone's fit and healthy, Fulton's winning this fight on points, I feel. And it's definitely going the distance. So that's that's what I would do. And yeah, odds on backers look to be in the money. Yeah, I mean, if you compare it against the Figueroa fight, I really, really fancied Fulton strongly in that one. And he yeah. didn't kind of let, let me down. But I, at the same time, I think Figueroa is a better fighter than, than Roman um, and yeah, probably I had a be- better chance to win that. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Fulton's getting better and I think we'll, we'll see it. And I think he'll continue to improve. So it's not even like, he's fading or dipping or anything. I think he's getting better every time. And I think he'll show that. Roman, maybe he's got, you know, a few more gears in him, but enough to win this fight. I'm not sure. What's Fulton now? 26, 27? 27. 27. Yeah. So he's still reasonably young in this day and age, isn't he? So, yeah. 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 
Um, this looks like a like a routine win in a sense, but I think it would have to work for it. But I do think it's UD written all over it. Who would you um, pick in a Fulton at Medallia fight, or how, and how would you price that? Yeah, it's a real it's a real tough one. I'd make I think I'd make I'd fancy Fulton. I'd pick pick Fulton just yeah. based on styles really. And having said that, I'd make him a make him a slight favourite. But you're right, Akmedalev could be the best of the lot. It depends kind of what you like. And I hate that phrase, but it is. And it kind of, yeah. I always kind of look at it, who I'd rather watch, um, which is kind of lazy and no, like no help whatsoever. But I'd rather watch Fulton out of those two. And I'd pick him. I'd, I'd pick him to win that fight. Slight favourite for me, but it's a great one. And hopefully we get it. And I guess, obviously, you know, when you price that up, that would probably be in America, which leads that slightly towards in that way and, and so on and so on. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll move on from that then. We are going to talk, I guess, about this weekend's biggest fight, which is um, undisputed down in, uh, where are we? Melbourne, Australia. George Cambosis versus Devin Haney um, at lightweight. Cambosis, we know, um, scored one of the biggest upsets um, of last year, certainly one of the kind of most notable um, outpointing Tiafema Lopez. Devin Haney, for him, this is really the big kind of, the big challenge. He's potted about a bit, matched fairly light at times in the past few years. Good win against um, Jojo Diaz last time, but again, never really a fight which I thought he would do anything other than win and, and win by decision, really. But hasn't always, he's kind of, I don't say laboured, but wins against Gamboa, um, Linares, you know, Linares didn't have him rattled, but gave him a, as good as a, a 20, kind of 21 Linares can do. For Haney, I think this is the this is the gut check. And going to Australia to fight George Cambosis in Melbourne in front of however many thousand um, drunken Australians is going to be a, a bit of a challenge. At lightweight, there are a lot of guys that will be looking at George Cambosis and saying, hang on, I wish I had this shot. And whether that's Lomachenko or whether it's Ryan Gus, you know, do you think he's there to be knocked off and just beat Lopez on, on a very good night? Or do you think he belongs in the kind of conversation with the Javonta Davises and the Garcias, etc.? I think he would have a competitive fight against all of them. Yep. But I feel like his main problem is that no one is going to underestimate him ever again. It's a bit like, it's a bit like uh, you know, when a striker turns up in the Premier League and no one's really heard of him. And then they seem to score like 20 goals in the first half of the season. Because, <laughs> and then people work them out and it stops. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's going to be one of them. And no one's going to underestimate him again. Um, I feel like Lopez underestimated him in some way. The camp did. He Obviously, we heard a lot about the problems he had in that camp. Like he was sick and injured or whatever with his chest. There was some terrible corner work in that fight. Um, yeah. It was obviously he got that early knockdown and it just he just filled with confidence off the back of it. So there's a lot of these, just these little things that happen to contribute to that. Having said that, I think George Cambosa is a great fighter. He's a good fighter and he's, he belongs in that the upper echelons of that division. But I do think when all the smoke clears and in a few years back, it's not, he won't be the leading light. He's not going to be, it'll just be one, it'll be one of them. Um, I feel like Devin Haney has the ability and the potential to become, like to be the one out of all of them. Um, and I think him going down to Australia you know, okay, he's challenging for all the belts, so it's not like he's going down there for a laugh, but he's got no trainer or he's got, you know, it's obviously these terrible problems with his dad and with Ben Davison, no one can get in the country, whatever else. Yep. He's still going down there. He's still having the fight. I think he's ice cool. I think 
I think he, I think he has the ability to sort of suck drama out of fights and atmospheres. And like, you know what Floyd Mayweather used to do? There'd be this mad crescendo at a fight week and everyone would be buzzing about it and the place would be electric and the opponent would be buzzing and everyone would be starting to fancy the other guy. And then after 30 seconds, Floyd's in there, popping his jab behind the shoulder, grabbing, turning around, starting again, just sucking the life out of everything and going about his work in like a clinical manner. And I feel like Devin Haney has got, got that sort of ability to do it. And I feel like Cambosas needs, he's pumped up, he's fired up. We know what he's like. He's a big character, full of energy. I feel like he, there's a chance he can be deflated. And when he's deflated by someone like Haney, then I feel like, I feel like this is a point win. I feel like it's a Devin Haney decision for me. Um, not to take away from Cambosas, but I, f- I just feel like when I look at this fight, when I try and visualise what's going to happen in it, I feel like too much went, it's probably harsh to say went in his favour in the Lopez fight, but when you really break that fight down, there was a lot of things that went wrong for Lopez. Um, and I just feel like all of that considered, it's, it may be the result and I'm, I'm, I hate it because I'm underestimating him again. And I mm. hate to underestimate people twice, like I used to do with Tyson Fury all the time. But I just feel like this fight is 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 wrong for him in, in a st- style matchup. And like, if you take everything away, I feel like Devin Haney's better boxer than him. And over 12 rounds is going to show it. Yeah, I think the, the thing that is most in favour of Haney here is that he's a completely different style to... Tiavimo Lopez and that's I think you, you mentioned the word deflated it would be very it's going to be hard I think to get completely deflated if you've got you know tens of thousands of people screaming your name and cheering you on very different to let's say if this was in Las Vegas or New York yeah. there I think Haney could really make it fairly not routine but much much straightforward more straightforward and he would be a much shorter price betting favorite because of that as well but I think Lopez came at him. He fought the, he's not a brawler, but he, he's, he's kind of that boxer puncher that Cambosis could get at. And Haney isn't going to go in this weekend and start scrapping away with, with George Cambosis. He, he's going to go and, and, as you say, and try and nullify that completely and, and drain it. But at the same time, he's 23 years old. He's going over there without his, well, he's gone over there without his dad, who he's pretty much always had in his corner without Ben Davidson as well. He's kind of, there is a danger that he could be a fish out of water here. And I've seen a few people this week kind of start talking up Cambosa's chances in terms of saying, he's just going to, you know, not not expose him, but really kind of, if you have a position to beat Devin Haney, it would be jetting him halfway around the world, taking his trainer away from him um, and in a a kind of a step up fight as well. Yeah. And and again, a fight like this, you would think, he will, Cambosis, it will get pretty hairy for Haney at times. Yeah. And it's whether you, you wonder how he's going, a bit like with the Cordina thing. And it's about how you think he's going to respond to that. And that is totally hypothetical because we don't really know yet. Um, like you mentioned there, Lopez went at Cambosis. And I think the knockdown was in the first round, wasn't it? And Lopez was, it was early doors, wasn't Very, it? And yeah, Lopez yeah. Started well, and seemed to be hurting him. And then just, overreached with a right hand as I remember it or you know just obviously got sloppy because he thought easy this is easy food and then got caught and got dropped and then the whole fight changes and a bit like what you said there Devin Haney's not going to do that although when you think about it like I'm just trying to think of notable moments when 
boxers have been without their trainer. And I'm thinking Tyson Fury against Steve Cunningham, where Peter wasn't in the corner and he mm. just said it was like a car without a driver, you know, and he's just in there on his own. And when the adjustments need to be made and when things need to change, who's doing that? And, and are you set up to be able to do that correctly? I feel like they've still got a corner in there. I'm trying to think Zab Judah's dad is doing it, I believe. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he's the first or the second, but... I think he's the first, yeah. isn't he? Is it? Yeah. And then, so. and then there's someone else, can't remember who, but that's... I, I'm still pretty com- confident and comfy. And like you, what you alluded to there... I feel like style-wise, Cambosis won't get the opportunities um, that he was presented by with Lopez and he managed to get in front and he managed to just absorb it all. Um, also, Cambosis seems to have changed a lot in the build-up to this fight. People have been hammering him for it. Some of the stuff he's been saying in the presses and stuff like that, um, <laughs> you wonder if that's an act or you wonder whether it has got to his head. Um, also, he's no longer this underdog character who's come over with no chance of beating the unified champion as a mm. no-hoper and that got this siege mentality and like the dad is starting on his dad in the gym and that, all that sort of stuff. That's not happening now. He's the main attraction. He's the home fighter. And a bit like with Cordina, all those Australians who are in the, who are in the arena and there'll be lots of them are going to be expecting their boy to win this fight. Like they're not, might not know a lot about boxing. There's going to be like a raucous atmosphere. How is he going to handle that? How how is that shift in mentality for someone who talked about being a Spartan warrior and all that sort of stuff? Sort of different vibe this time. How is that going to affect him? And on the other hand, I think that helps Haney in that he goes there and he's just trying to upset the party. He's the one under siege. He's the one that's going in there without any of the home pressure on him and he's just trying to do the job. Um, again, maybe all of this, I'm a big fan of Haney. I think he's going to be the one at lightweight eventually. Okay. Um, is this going to be too early for him? I don't think so. And I'm, I think the value is in the, the hate, or at least I think if I'm having a bet on it, I'm backing Haney to win this on points. I don't think it's a particularly amazing price. I think it's 11 to 10 or something like that, best price. But that's where I'd be putting my money. It's quite interesting because Haney opened um, much shorter than he is, opened about uh, four to nine, so minus 225, drifted to eight to 13 top price now, four to seven. And uh, Cambosis, slight underdog, um, so it's like plus 130, about 42% chance, five to four as well, um, six to five, five to four, um, also available on Cambosis. I think Haney is getting to a point now where eight to 13, if that keeps going, he's going to be backable on the, on the outright because I yeah. think he is the better boxer. Like you say, the decision on Haney um, just above um, even money, so 21 to 20. Um, so plus 105 um, in US odds for the Haney decision. Um, but Haney isn't going to go over there and he's not going to kind of shut him out or win a 119.09, is he, surely? You'd think not. You'd think not, but you never know. And then you do start thinking, you're thinking Jeff Horn, Manny Pacquiao, you're thinking what's mm. going to happen in a close fight? Is he going to get the nod? Um, so it's a good point. So then that does then, for me like then it does make the Cambosis decision a little bit more um, attractive, I guess, but not attractive enough for me to pick against him. But what's the, what's the Cambosis decision then? Five to two. Um, so plus 250. That's, see, that's quite, that's quite attractive when you, again, when you put it all together, but it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's like in the cold light of day, if the two of them had a, 
had 12 rounds in a, in a gym behind closed doors with a ref and whatever, mm. Haney's winning every single time, I feel. So you yeah. put all of it, but then you put all of that decision, uh, all of that, all of those elements in. And I mean, that's what makes it intriguing. That's what makes it such an intriguing fight. But yeah, I do feel like that's, I don't know, 11 to 10 seems a bit, a bit measly or 21 to 20, even more like, evens basically on the decision yeah it's also um, on in places as well 10 to 11 yeah. yeah yeah so it's a it's a hard one it's a hard one that it's a it's it's another one similar to the to the to the Fulton fight where you're thinking I kind of know what I kind of know what I think is going to happen mm. but where's the where's the value and where like where am I getting an angle here I think like the like the Fulton fight we've just discussed, this is a fight that I really think is going to go the distance. It's really hard 100%. to see. Yeah. yeah. I um, feel like it's a distance fight because I don't I don't I don't see where a stoppage comes in this fight. So yeah, and and again, a little double on the distance. I mean, even a Gawa Cordina, you're looking at distance, like we're gonna talk about Inoue in a minute. Like those distance bets, like when you start putting them together in twos and threes, they start coming up with decent prices. And I do feel like this could be another one. I mean, if, if Haney were to stop him, it's just going to be something timed on the counter that catches him completely cold. And I think if Cambosis were to, I don't like, I don't think he's going to stop Haney, but if he, it would just be kind of relentless pressure. And we saw in the Lopez fight that even in the last round, Cambosis was coming on really, really strong. Um, and it is, you know, whether Haney can, can kind of handle that heat, again, at 23 on his own effectively, that's that's where it gets really interesting but is it going to get the point where you're kind of eight nine ten rounds in and and it's game over i don't yeah. i don't know yeah um, i do think maybe a bit like with cordina cambosis obviously calls himself ferocious he really is he's going to be absolutely mm. pumped up absolutely flying and will that give haney an opportunity to on on the counter or something like that you know he's obviously highly yeah. skilled and he's good counter puncher will he get an opening just based on that, will he get more opening just because of that um, that kind of pouring forward and that excitement that Cambosa is going to have and can he control it? Because all the time I've ever seen him being exposed to him in terms of like even the Selby fight, you know, he's just like, whoa, he's just like a ball of energy, isn't he? And can you imagine that? Yeah. Now it's 100%. It's like that on steroids. And then you think, is that going to present an opening for Haney? Maybe. For Cambosa stepping up, he's still a slight underdog, but he's in this massive on this massive stage for the first time. Will that bring? I can kind of see him fighting quite emotional if he's not too careful about it. And completely, and that that's yeah. good for Haney. That's good news for Haney. I totally, I totally agree with that. And like sometimes you think, okay, someone like, for instance, Josh Warrington against Carl Frampton, where it goes the other way and it he, he rides it, and you think, okay, that he grows from that. I feel like. It's gonna, it, you know, it's good for Cambosis, but I think it it might play into Haney's hands, and he will get emotional. And if if again, if Haney can just try and deflate that a bit and get some early success, quiet him down a bit, then yeah, I think I think he does enough. But it, this could be, this could be so close that you think does Haney get the decision on the cards, or at least competitive enough that it opens up the door for a little bit of a dodgy one.
We'll move on then to the last fight we're going to talk about, which is on Tuesday, which rudely is just after our bank holiday um, weekend. Uh, Inoue versus Denaire 2, uh, the rematch of one of 2019's best fights. I think I'd argue the, the best. Inoue obviously last time won a um, decision um, in a really excellent fight. Had Denaire down in the 11th. I remember that well because I backed Inoue stoppage and the ref kind of let Denaire get up and walk around and make himself a cup of tea and... Yeah. didn't end it like he should have done top rank haven't really kind of known what to do with him really beat Jason Maloney beat Daz Marinas and uh, Depayne I think the last time out beat them all by stoppage but only took uh, 18 rounds combined I've got here to get rid of them all Donaire had a really really good 2021 and um, beat Raymark Gabalo and uh, Ubali which is a really really good win both inside four rounds he's 39 now and I think this is the the, the, the obvious question here is whether he's still evergreen enough or still got it. But we've counted him off countless times before yeah. and said he's finished. How do you see this one going? And is it going to be as good as the fight as the, uh, the first one? I do think, I do think star-wise they, com- they combine to make, to make a great fight every time. A couple of things. First of all, I don't know about you, but Inoue Donaire feels like it happened like six months ago. It was actually pre-COVID. It was 2019. So yeah, it's actually yeah. a long time ago in the scheme of things. Like, but it feels like very fret. It feels like I can remember every moment of it. Um, but I, I yeah. kind of know what you're saying. If someone said to me, "When was Lopez Lomachenko?" Yeah. Well, no, no, or even no, even when was when was Cambosis versus Lopez? And when was in UA Dinet? The last yeah. few years have been a complete mess. Of it's mad, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. so I kind of think that. And then when. And then when you actually look at it, you're like, okay, it's nearly three years ago. And, yeah. and Donaire is now 39. I remember th- when this fight was made thinking he's too, he's, he's too old now. Like Inoue is, hits too hard and is too good and too fresh to allow what a 37 year old man or whatever. Like this is not, we, everyone loves Donaire. Everyone loves Donaire. Like, let's just like for a start, we all know that, but this is not a good, this is not good for him being in there with Inoue. And I thought that nearly three years ago, mm. obviously wrongly, because it was a great fight. Like you say, maybe could have been stopped, like it might've been stopped by someone else or whatever. I think three, nearly three years on, two and a half years on, um, I have to pick, I have to pick Inoue inside the distance again, um, rightly or wrongly, but I feel like it can't go on forever, Pena. You can't. And although he looked good last year and he had some great wins, I do feel like it's one of them. It's a bit like with Canelo and Golovkin. One of them's going one way up and the other one's all well, has to be going down, like based on age. Like it just, it has to be the case. Like that's what I look at when I try and assess this fight. It has to be that Inoue is on an upward trajectory as, as some people have him number one pound for pound in the world. And Donaire as um, unbelievable servant to the sport as a world champion still, but he's at 39 now. He has to be past his peak or on the way. Um, and then when you look at those two factors, you have to, I, I have to pick a new way inside the distance in this fight. And I just know, or I just got this feeling that he's going to do it again, Danette. He's going to like <laughs> make us all look stupid. I don't see him winning the fight, but he was so good in that fight against a new way. Like, yeah. Yeah. He landed some big shots. And let's be honest, actually, Inoue, there was a bit of a chin check for him as well. Yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah. He some good ones and didn't go anywhere. So, like, that, that's good. That stands him in good stead. But 
as we always know, the old adage, the last thing to go is you punch and Bonaire can punch. That left hook has been one of the weapons of his generation, really. Um, he's always got that in the locker in this fight, but it doesn't change my pick. And that's a new way inside the distance, like finally. I think I'm trying to think what round it was. It's probably maybe eight or nine where Denaire really, really caught him. Yeah. And for, I think what for one of the first times I've ever seen, or it's the most hurt I think Inouye's ever been. And you thought, hang on, he's, he's not going to get this done. But I mean, no. even, this says it all about Denaire, doesn't it? But even if he got blitzed in three rounds at the weekends, you wouldn't put it past him kind of, I don't know, in December or something, beating Casemiro or Manny Rodriguez. Or you, you know, yeah, or beating Paul Butler or something like that. You can <laughs> see it, like you can see it happening. You really, like 100%. But I just feel like this fight is not, he's on a bit of a, it's an Indian summer, I guess you could call it. But I don't think this is a good fight for that. Um, I do feel like a new way is getting better and better. I feel like as well, you always have to look at what he would have learned from that fight. And like, again, it's like Usyk and Joshua. I feel like Usyk learns a lot from that 12 rounds with Joshua and that, that boost him in the rematch. I feel like Inoue, having done 12 rounds with someone like Donaire, like such a, such a great fighter, mm. he will grow from that far more than they'll grow from knocking someone out in three rounds or whatever he's done and like blitzing someone like Navarez or someone like that. Like 12 rounds of Donaire, make, it will, he would have grown so much from that fight. And he'll go into this fight knowing what to expect, knowing what he's looking for, like having reset. And at the same time, Donaire has got older in that time. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Inoue, it's, it's all in Inoue's favour in that sense. Uh, odds are much closer than they were in the, in the first fight, at least where they yeah. opened in the first fight. Uh, Inoue was about something like 1 to 20, I think he opened, and it, it got a little bit closer by the time of the, um, uh, the opening bell. He's 2 to 9, um, best price of Betway, so 82%, um, but similarish kind of range to Fulton, one to five, one to six around as well. Denaire, four to one best price, 10 to three, seven to two uh, ish, so about 22% for Denaire. Obviously, uh, Inoue, a clear, clear favourite. Inoue to win inside the distance is two to one on, so minus 200, uh, 66% chance. I'm thinking late stoppage, basically, because I don't see Denaire getting blown away because he's too smart and he's too cute and he knows what he's doing. Um, I think it'd be more of a breakdown job and it just, and, and Inoue just gets the job done this time. Seven to 12, so the second half of the fight, um, and I'm glad you said that, is the one that stood out to me. Um, so six to four. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very solid, yeah. Uh, Inoue's second half. I mean, you're reliant on the fight going probably a similar-ish way to last time, but it seems like there are a lot of rematches that someone will win on a decision and the second time, they will win much more kind of decisively. Yeah. Or at least they'll go the distance the first time. I think in kind of Charlo um, Castagno a couple of weeks ago, yeah. when the distance and then the guy who's kind of favoured wins clearer. So I, I could definitely see that as a, a realistic option. Okay, Dex, so we're going to just kind of skim past, uh, skim back rather on the, the four fights we've discussed. I want you to give me your, uh, the Declan Taylor pick of the week, uh, any yeah. price you want, and then... We'll go for one kind of long shot on top of that as well. Okay, I think Fulton, Fulton points, it, it feels like a money printer. Not it's a not, great price. but It's not it's, another mortgage job, is it? Not a mortgage job this time, sadly. Good, good. But uh, it's a good, I, I think it's solid. Like, 
I think that fight goes a distance. And if it goes a distance, Fulton wins as far as far as I can see. Um, but that prize, obviously not an amazing prize. I would, I think I'd, I'd look to put it in a double with a Haney decision. Okay, interesting. So a, couple, a couple of Americans, a couple of stylish Americans on the, at the double. Um, yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing I'd be looking at. I would also not rule out, and I do this quite. I do this quite often. I might even look for like a fourfold of all of them go to the, go the distance. Those fights because it looks like that sort of a night to me. But then, you know, sometimes you think that, and then they're all over. It looks looks too obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks. Yeah. Too, it really looks obvious. Um, and there's so many intangible, and like that's why this weekend's so good because like you can make I you can make a case for a lot of things happening. Um, I don't know that maybe actually that six to four in new Okay. Okay. Well, I'll go Fulton distance in new late stoppage as a double. And you're looking decent sort of decent ish price there. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what, that's what I'd look at. And the long shot I'm guessing is going to be that um, 11 to two on a Gower decision. A Gower decision, just a sneaky one. He gets a couple knockdowns, maybe one knockdown and Cordina sort of, has to survive for the last few rounds. That that sort of a that sort of a situation, but it's not out of the question. I've seen it happen. Like you've seen that sort of thing happen a lot, and for that sort of price, um, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. But let I mean again, just speaking as a fan, as a as a boxing journalist in this country as well, I could do with Cordina winning this world title, to be honest, and I could do with him being becoming a star and them going to Cardiff all the time and him fighting Zelfa Barrett in his first defence and stuff. Like, we could really do with Cordina out of that batch becoming a star. Um, this is the fight that he could do it in, but that losing on points is not out of the question, put it that way. Okay, so whatever um, you're betting on this weekend, that applies to you, Deck, as, as well as everyone else listening. Uh, obviously, please gamble responsibly. Deck, a pleasure to talk to you um, as ever, my friend. And um, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Anytime, Tom. Thanks for having me.